All right, Boz, here we go. The topic of the day, tactical fitness. Tactical fitness, my specialty, Pat. That's That's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm steeped in that. <laughs> I tell you what, though, you look like some spec ops guy with your long hair, the tattoos <laughs> everywhere, showing up on the bike. I mean, uh, you, oh, you've, got it, you've got it down. You're in casting 101. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, play this, one, I play one on TV. This <laughs> was, hey, close enough. Everybody does these days. This <laughs> yeah, is from somebody so. that posted something on a recent episode, and I'm reading it off my phone here. It says, something I'd love to see you guys cover, CrossFit methodology, carry over to tactical fitness for the military, especially considering some of the different aspects of the job. I know you've talked previously with the carry over to fire, EMS, or uh, law enforcement, but the military requires us to go long at times, such as a 12-mile ruck in yep. maybe three hours, five-mile run in 40 minutes, and sometimes the job doesn't always allow for optimum nutrition and sleep. Isn't that the darn truth? Love the show. Mm. So, yeah, happy to happy to dive into that. Oh, yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun here. Make sure my phone is back on silent so you guys don't hear any weird things at home. So what I did, and uh, Adrian saw this first and he sent it my way. So I appreciate you doing that. And then what I did is I posted this question in our private Facebook group for my uh, affiliate, because I know that we've got a bunch of current and former military in there. And while I had my biases as to the answer to this question, I didn't put my biases in that post to my community because I didn't want to taint the waters. And I want to see what, <laughs> what they said and see if you know I was in alignment or whatnot. And a lot of really cool information came back. So I'm just going to present that information and then hopefully it's, it's useful. And I've got several things to read that several different people wrote. And after I read each one, you know, we can kind of give our two cents on it, if you will. Yeah, sounds good. And then I've got a couple of kind of generalist approach to this. You know, obviously, I don't have a background in that specifically. But I do think that it's important that, you know, you look at this topic broadly and fitness for a, prof a profession, I don't think should be this off limits thing to somebody just because they don't have, uh, you know, that particular experience. I think there's lots to be gained from the generalist approach. And, and there's I think we're going to see that with some of the responses that there's absolutely some special things that need to be done to make sure that you're prepared and make sure that you're not uh, leaving anything um, on the table, so to speak. But I bet you there's a lot more overlap to the generalist uh, than there might be on first glance. So that's my hunch, but we'll see what comes back. It's almost like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> It's almost like general <laughs> physical preparation matters, right? right. It's almost and, like that's the, the bedrock and, of a lot of this stuff. And there will be some things that, you know, you could sprinkle in to optimize the situation, but yep. your GPP will get you so far. And there are some things that functional movements are functional movements. And, and I'm yep. already on a tangent, but I remember, I'm going to butcher this, but the general theme for humor purposes will suffice. That... <laughs> A lot of different segments of society think that they are unique, special unicorns that nobody understands their their needs, right? Unless you're mm -hmm. in that deal. And I don't say that to be you know belittling to the person who asked the, the tactical thing. It's just general speak. And I remember Glassman saying some funny thing that he'd get people walking into the affiliate, <clears throat> and he's, they're like, "Look, we're basketball players, okay? I know that you don't play basketball, but we've got special needs for our particular demands of the sport." And he he would listen very politely. 
great, I have this amazing movement just for you. It's called the squat. And then he'd wait, you know, for the next person comes in, hey, we're so-and-so. He goes, I have this amazing movement just for you called the squat. <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> makes everybody uh, feel special. But yeah. we're, we all have to squat. So some of that, you're right. Well, the GPP a, is, a, me, is a big deal. Let me riff. Let me riff on that same story because I, I remember that story as well. And to expand on it a little bit, uh, the version of it that I heard, and again, you know, what's that saying about Mark Twain? Never let facts get in the way of, uh, of a good story. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, this is maybe embellished a little bit. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point stands. But the, uh, the point was not only was it the same movements between, you know, basketball player and somebody else, but, you know, it was the basketball player. They were like, no, you don't get it. We need this really, like... We, we got to have a really good basketball program. Mm-hmm. Coach said, no problem. Why don't you guys come in at 6 p.m.? We'll have a basketball-specific class just for you guys. It'll be awesome. And then the other athlete, were they were jujitsu athletes. And like, no, you don't get it. You know, like, we have really, really specialized needs. He's like, cool, no problem. I'll tell you what, we'll do a 6 a.m. jujitsu special for you guys. <laughs> and he said, it was all going great until one day the 6 p.m. basketball guy couldn't make it. And he came into the 6 a.m. jujitsu. And he's like, wait a minute, this is our basketball program. What and the? then the cat, was, <laughs> the cat was out of the bag. Uh, so. uh, yes. I mean, but there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Is there's yeah. going to be, that's the wonderful thing about GPP. The overlap is so broad, broad general, and inclusive. So yep. with no further ado, I will yep. write, uh, excuse me, read the first one here. And this was worked out great because uh, this woman who responded, Jen, she was currently, she was former active duty. Now she's in the reserves and she was doing one of her reserve things when I posted this question. So like she was in the field, oh, cool. you know, doing it. So anyway, she said, I've been racking my brain how to succinctly put into words the correlation between CrossFit and being fit for the militaries. It's almost one of those you have to see it to believe it things, but I'll try my best to give my point of view as a female currently serving. Uh, you are a SEAL, so you won't, this won't be news to you that traditional bodybuilding type training is not going to prepare you for the rigors of combat. When we say functional fitness, we really mean it. And I see that in nearly everything a soldier is doing nowadays. Go long could mean an unknown distance ruck march or patrol with a 50-pound pack instead of a long chipper. Short and sharp could mean a sprint for your life in full kit to the nearest cover so you don't get shot instead of Fran. We're required to do farmer's carries with ammo cans and other equipment, pull ourselves up over walls, you know, think muscle-ups, strict pull-ups, odd object carries of various weaponry, or your buddy if he or she is a casualty, lift things overhead, squat down to pick it up, deadlift them to get back up, all without injuring ourselves. Almost every single movement we do in CrossFit, I can think of a close correlation that is used in the military. And I'll give you an example that I saw just today. I'm currently on my annual training with my reserve unit at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And our mission here, she's one of the instructors, is to train some cadets that are coming through their cadet summer training. She was a lane safety officer all day long. And her particular lane requires cadets to complete certain tasks working as a team in a specific time frame. Sounds like, mm. you know, do a certain work in a certain amount of time. <laughs> this, the station I was on today is the medical evacuation, the medevac station. Cadets had to move a down casualty, which is a life-size rescue Randy mannequin, across a blown-up bridge in odd positions on top of small wooden posts on top of a litter, and Randy weighs close to 200 pounds, probably. Mm. Wow. And I can't tell you how many times I saw the cadets have to do a 200-pound deadlift to get the litter and Randy up off the ground 
essentially muscle clean it to their shoulder level, and then so they could carry it across the planks and move to a different checkpoint. Mm. Most of these 21 to 22-year-olds were struggling to lift the litter and Randy, even with help, it was just flat out too heavy for them. Had there been a real casualty, full kit, combat zone, you know, I'm not sure if they would have been able to accomplish the mission, but I can guarantee that if they were doing even six months of CrossFit-style workouts, they would have been able to. This is already long-winded. I won't take more of your time. I'll just say this. As a female, especially in a male-dominated environment, being able to keep up, pull your own weight is vitally important. Not only does it automatically gain you respect from your male counterparts, but it also ensures that when push comes to shove in combat, you'll have a better chance of being an asset rather than a liability. So, yeah, that was that was the first response. There. I thought that was really great. Yeah, right on. I mean, isn't that what we all want to be is a, an asset, not a liability? I mean, yeah, <laughs> take, take that out of the context of, of being in the, in the military. I mean, that's uh, that's what I want to be generally. And I think that uh, for a lot of us, that's what drew us to CrossFit in the first place. Um, and I think that's also uh, an important reminder is, yes, you're going to see some of these one-for-one type movement comparisons where, okay, pretty obvious that a deadlift was really necessary in this example that was given. Um, but just because it wasn't mimicking or, or if it wasn't mimicking a deadlift specifically doesn't mean that that strength that you gain from the deadlift isn't going to pour over to something else. And, and that, I think, is something that's really important when we start talking about the application of your mm-hmm. fitness. It doesn't have to mirror exactly what you're going to be called to do if it's a good GPP program. The whole point is that what you're doing will have this spillover into other things, even if you didn't or couldn't train specifically for them. So don't forget that. Don't, don't think, and it, well... I should say that sometimes you see people with good intention going down that path where all of a sudden, hey, my training's been going great. I feel generally like I'm pretty fit. I've got capacity in a lot of uh, areas. I have this specific thing that I'm called to do. And now my training skews so specifically towards that. And somehow the benefits aren't as fruitful as I thought they would be. And you're like, yeah, because you're missing the rest of that recipe that made your GPP so good in the first place. So you, you got to be careful to not specify too much, even you if you know what the task is. And maybe I'm on the same sheet of music with you here. You mentioned something in, in a previous show, and I think it was a show that we did that involved odd objects and sandbags and things like yep. that. And I think we made the correlation that undoubtedly, most things that you'll pick up in the real world aren't a 28 millimeter neural barbell that's yeah. mid shin. You know, they're going yeah, to be yeah, some well balanced. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be some weird thing that's a little awkward and you probably have to mm-hmm. straddle it. Um, so that's more realistic, but that doesn't mean that you should use the sandbag every single day in your training and never deadlift with the barbell because it's yeah. more realistic. The barbell is so versatile and will allow such a great range of loading and just variance that yep. it will transfer beautifully to the other without you having to do it all the time. So point being, nothing in Jen's description looked like a perfect power clean or a perfect deadlift, but that doesn't mean if you're in the military that you shouldn't have a barbell in your hand regularly and only yep. work out with odd objects. So I think that might be a pitfall to kind of make sure people avoid. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, okay. you want you want you want the program and the recipe that is going to have the biggest carryover to other things, not how do I specifically address this one task. 
All right, let's see. My next one here is a comment that was written from Zach Allison. Let me get it here. Sorry, everybody. Doing some doing some high technology stuff on my computer. Mm. All right, here we cutting go. Cutting edge. Pretty cutting edge. It really is. If you could see what I'm doing, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is from Zach Allison. I found CrossFit during my last year in the Army. I wish I had found it much earlier. After three deployments with zero weight training and no muscular strength going into those tours, I was beat up. Hmm. Sounds like a good combo. Oh, man. I spent roughly 40 hours a week walking around in a 55-pound weighted vest. This individual weighed 115 pounds at the time, by the way. Hmm. Uh, I could max out the Army physical fitness test, but I had really zero strength. I've done CrossFit Well, hold on now. right there. Can we, can we pause right there? I think sure. that's really important is, okay, I'm sure that this Army physical fitness test, I don't know what it is. I can speculate. I bet you. The ones that I've uh, kind of heard of through the years usually involve some sort of run, time trials, some sort of pull-up, and some sort of you know sit-up or push-up, right. some combination of those. Yeah. And so this is a great example of how that test may not have been reflective of what's actually needed for the individual. However, it's still important for that test to be done well in the eyes of the people that are, um, you know, interested in your career mm-hmm. and things like that. So th- th- that's something that I think might not be readily apparent to some people is the balance you have to maintain there. You still have to be able to do this test, even if this test may not reflect the real world ability that's going to be necessary for you to be okay when uh, when you're out there doing the job. Undoubtedly. And I know that some of the branches, I don't believe all, but some of them have implemented a new, mm. much less antiquated physical fitness test that is yep. much more reflective of some actual level of real work capacity. I can't remember wow, which branch good. is doing that. So I don't want to, yeah. I almost want to say the Marine Corps. But I don't want to uh, uh, don't hold Give them credit. Cats. But I, I think it's <laughs> I think it is evolving. Like I think there's uh, a writing on the wall for you know things move at a glacial pace in some big sure. institutions like the military. So hopefully yeah. that's going to come um, back soon. So let's see here. This was from. Uh, let me continue going with Allison here. I've done CrossFit now for ten years. I'm three times stronger than I was in my 20s when all I did was run. It's perfect for military because you never know what day on a deployment, uh, excuse me, what day on a deployment you'll have to hold um, or do some miserable work. Some days were slow slogs. Other days were eight hours with weight on my body. Some days were sprints with adrenaline. Other days required heavy lifting. It's smart to be able to push and pull your own body weight. It's absolutely essential to have mental fortitude and a never quit attitude. These are all things that CrossFit builds. Just my quick two cents. Um, I know others might have more scientific answers, he says. No, I think that's great. And uh, yeah, that, it, it springs to mind something that I think is an important element also of a varied program. And also uh, important when you start thinking about the things that you know that you're supposed to train for, like we were talking about uh, a few minutes ago. It, it can be easy and kind of seductive to say, okay, I'm only going to do those things and I'm really just going to dive in. Part of what you're going to miss is injury prevention and resilience. Uh, 
particularly with overuse. And so mm -hmm. things like that were just described there, I've got weight on my body all day long. I'm doing repetitive motions, you know, hiking with gear, et cetera, et cetera. If that's all you're doing day in, day out, it's going to wear you down. There's no question about it. Um, you know, any extreme distance athlete will tell you that overuse injuries are a real problem and something that you have to manage. Uh, my personal experience working with athletes that have a lot of repetition, uh, rowers, I worked with the rowing team for a couple of years. Mm. And that was the most important thing that we did. Uh, in my opinion, it wasn't building their capacity on the, on the water. They already had that. They were really good at that. But our biggest contribution was we took them out of those repetitive patterns and got them strong in ways that they might not have been strong before, which built them up, made them more resilient, and allowed them to be in the boat more often. And so it kind of all plays into itself. And I think the same thing can be said for, uh, you know, if you're going to be asked to be rucking around with a lot of weight on your body, you're gonna, you have these known demands. Um, if you're strong and robust, you'll be able to handle that and walk away without getting too beat up. Whereas if you're right on the razor's edge and that's all you're doing, um, you know, you're just asking for a, a sideline due to something that probably isn't catastrophic, but just annoying and hard to resolve, you know, a, a tendon injury, uh, an itis, you know, those right. are no fun. No, agreed. And that mental toughness as well, just to drive through, to drive yep. through some discomfort in, in CrossFit is there's a lot of transference there as well. Yeah. All right, the next Well, most, hold on, oh. and, 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 and I would say not just the importance of driving through, but the mindset of I've never done this in this way, mm -hmm. I will do it. I think that's really important too. You're faced with that every day when you have a varied program. You come in, you don't know that you've, you've never maybe done this combination with these rep schemes, and yet, yeah, you're going to do it. You don't know how it's going to go exactly, but you've conditioned yourself that the challenge is totally doable. You'll come out the other end of it and it's going to be fine. And that's really important. I think that's easy to look past once you've been doing it a little bit while, but it, uh, but it is very significant. And I think what's interesting to note thus far about the opinions and perspectives that have been given is none of them are recommending adding anything to what is mm. a traditional, well-rounded GPP program. Yeah, thus far, yeah. You know, so uh, somebody will mention a couple things, but largely uh, a general sentiment was, if you're doing some great varied programming, variance being the key there, you'll be amazed at how far that goes mm -hmm. for you. Just the fact that you don't ruck regularly. Well, if you've built up your posterior chain, your midline, your stamina, your muscular endurance, you might have some discomfort and some burns on your shoulders. You're not used to it. And my back's a little sore because I don't ruck that frequently, but you will be able to do it. And that there's a lot of things that fall under that category. And that's that's what wonderful, well-rounded, you know, beautiful, classic CrossFit programming is supposed to give the individual. Mm -hmm. So it is a really nice fit for a military application. The next one here is from John B. John says, I was in the uh, Air Force EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, so the bomb squad, some sort of high-risk, high-stakes job there. I never did CrossFit before my pipeline of basic training, then EOD school. Um, I just ran and lifted from my reading of the CrossFit methodology and doing workouts like Murph every year. And more recently, uh, you know, working out at the affiliate, looking back on my time, uh, I've been in and out since 2017, both active and reserve. I would say the biggest advantage of CrossFit training has for military is this. 
moving load during somewhat complex movements with a high heart rate equals using your brain with a high heart rate, moving weights while using your brain under duress, all of which would have been very beneficial in situations like he had to do of uh, rucking a robot. So basically having a robot attached oh, to wow. your back, which was going to go Jeez. defuse a bomb or something like that. I'm uh, sure those robots are built to be, uh, you know, light, super and light, <laughs> and easy to manipulate. And, and here's the other thing: the terrain's always flat. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Exactly. It's a yeah. light pack on flat terrain. No, you know what? It's downhill. It's always downhill. Uh, Wind at your back. <laughs> priming explosives, uh, utilizing all of those assets, uh, they would have been very beneficial. Utilizing all those assets in a team leader's case. Uh, taking a very long walk in a bomb suit and then rendering a bomb safe in a bad situation. Being strong is, I love this line, being strong is great, but being strong when your heart rate is jacked up and your ad adrenaline is pumping is a whole different beast. And I think CrossFit is one of the few training methodologies mm -hmm. that adequately prepares one for the types of endeavors military members are frequently a part of. Yeah, wow. That's really well written, too. That's uh, interesting and something that I didn't consider off the cuff. But thinking about it, it makes perfect sense. And that's one more, um, I guess, arrow in the in the quiver, so to speak, for the, uh, the, the need to train complex movements, particularly when you're fatigued. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a certain camp of people that that'll want to argue that, oh, well, you shouldn't learn to snatch. There's not a ton of utility in it, especially if you're never going to get that, you know, 250 pound lift anyway, what's the point? And it's like, well, there it is. I mean, if you are somebody that can just head down, grind it out on the echo bike, for example, um, that's very different than being able to come in off of a run and perform something like a muscle up or a snatch or an overhead squat where there's a huge demand not only on your physical ability, but the coordination, the balance, the agility to, to string these things together. Um, that, that's something I wouldn't have picked up on right away. And that, that's really interesting that he's making the connection between that type of training and having to do something cerebral uh, on the job. That's, that's it was a cool. very intelligent point. It, it, yeah. and, and it is another great one just to have in that, um, yep. you know, that answer as to why technical movements have benefit, yep. why doing them under duress has benefit. And like, it's, yep. it's pretty profound. So one more one that I'll read. And then uh, we just can have a quick little chat here. But this one's great. This is from Mike D. I don't think it's the member of the Beastie Boys. I think it's a different one. Mike, here we go. Well, hold on. Let me before you start. Let me speculate, and and you tell me. Did you get any responses where somebody wrote in and said, "You know what, CrossFit's really fun, <laughs> but I didn't find that it had much of an application to real world need when I was on the job." I think you'd be better served running three times a week and then doing you know a traditional bodybuilding split. Did anybody come back? And maybe the date is a little skewed because obviously that's the community we're dealing with. But was there anybody that made the argument that like, hey, I returned to traditional training and I had better results for my job? You know, Adrian, I didn't see that. Yeah, not I didn't surprised. see that. This, this last one, I just have to read it because I think it will appeal. There's always a certain percentage of the audience that loves to nerd out on things that sure. I think this will really appeal to the nerd population, which by the way, a beloved segment of society. Absolutely. Makes right. the world turn, Pat. Yeah. Sorry. All right. This is from Mike. Hey, Pat. Former Marine infantry, 
I think there are many benefits that CrossFit has to military personnel. I remember being a boot camp recruit, uh, eating some sand while the drill instructors were talking about CrossFit. Needless to say, while preparing for my level one in 2010 and reading the L1 guide, I realized that one of the number one priorities of military personnel, whether it's infantry, SEAL, Delta, whatever, is work capacity. CrossFit was perfect for the military, in my opinion. To gain the physiological attribute of increased work capacity across broad time modal domains, that is critical for operators. Being an academic myself and a strength and conditioning coach, I think too much specificity will rob military personnel of their physiological ability to build a solid general physical preparedness. The uniqueness of being military is why we should more than likely stay away from too much specific physical uh, preparedness, SPP, or even sport-specific physical preparedness, and avoid decreased work capacity in other areas. The missions that infantry and special operations personnel, are those missions are highly fluid, and I think personally that CrossFit, along with some maybe um, specific training if you have a unique job in the military, is great. In a nutshell, I think solid GPP sprinkled with some aerobic work is a perfect base uh, based upon what I know about mitochondria. And by the way, I work in a mitochondria lab. The metabolic conditioning of CrossFit will help increase the lactate buffering and the monostructural work will help build those mitochondria. Another thing military personnel could focus on is building a rock solid posterior chain. Hope this helps. Mm. So the mitochondria are happy also, Boz. Well, and hey, who doesn't want a rock solid posterior chain? I mean, I think that's pretty in vogue these days, right? (laughs) What a t-shirt. That could be very not random. Happy mitochondria and a rock solid posterior chain. There you go. Put me down for a large. I'm in. So even from somebody who is literally a scientist who works in a mitochondria lab and is a CrossFit enthusiast and is a former Marine infant, like all those worlds collide to whether... You want to talk about just what I'm seeing in the gym? Do you want to talk about what the methodology says at the level one manual? Do you want to talk about what's going on at the cellular level of your body? All of those things are in harmony. They're all working. Yeah. They, it, you know, general physical preparedness, it gets the job done. So, Oh, that's awesome. Well, let's put it down to brass tacks then and kind of put a bow on it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, you know, somebody, they, they wrote in, they're a little concerned, maybe not concerned, but they want to make sure that they're going to have the capacity for some of these more uh, distance type events, more of these kind of longer stamina based um, things like a ruck run, etc. So how often do you think that's going to need to be trained specifically outside of what they're already doing. Is that once a week? Is it three times a week? Is it once a month? What's the number there broadly that is going to push you enough to that specific thing that you're competent, but not detract from the rest of the training that you're putting in? Yeah. You know, what's funny is, well, like I said at the beginning of the show, if you're doing well-rounded programming, you can go out and do it. And by the way, that's not just my fluffy opinion because I just programmed a workout sometime within the last month and it was run a 5k or giving people a choice. People love choices. Run a 5k or for one hour, do a rucksack march with the loading of your choice and just let's see how much distance you cover in one hour. So it was your choice. You want to go for a 5k or do a ruck march. 
And while I've posted other 5Ks, I hadn't posted that either or option in probably a Mm. calendar year. So some people hadn't specifically thrown a ruck on their back in 365 days. And a bunch of people chose that option because it sounded fun and cool and variance. And everyone put on anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds and covered a fantastic distance. And everyone could do it just from regular GPP CrossFit training. So the question then becomes, yes, okay, it's possible. But what can I do to, to optimize it a bit if that's a regular demand of my job? And I would think if you're doing good CrossFit GPP, if you're going on one to two rucks a week, I think you'll be mm. perfectly fine. And one might be just just good just to keep it fresh in the old mind and the central nervous system. You know how the ruck feels. You know what that that pain, so to speak, or that feeling, that sensation is like. And just to have that loading under your body for 60 minutes is not something that occurs a lot in other workouts where you have something on your body for an hour. It's kind mm-hmm. of unusual. And so it is a different stimulus. And so touching it one to two times a week, I think would be plenty and done. And that doesn't mean it has to be super heavy. It doesn't have to be something like that. And it can just, um, and done at the appropriate loading and distance, it won't beat you up in a way that won't allow you to go back into the gym and train for the rest of the week. It could just mm-hmm. be a nice addition to. So that's what I would say to that. And I would also say that if you felt the need, that's also what you might consider for a um, adding a little bit of extra running. If you felt that's what was needed because you needed to go do some five milers at work every now and then, you need to hold eight yep. minutes a mile for that. One to two runs a week. You could be just fine. One of those, maybe just getting some miles on. It's kind of that longer, slower, steady state run to make sure that your knees and hips and ankles are used to pounding the pavement for, you know, five continuous miles or whatnot. Because if you haven't done that in a while, you will feel it the next day or two. And maybe people who have blown off 5Ks for a while and then did a 5K (laughs) felt exactly that. And so you just want to keep that dust blown off of that. And if you're doing two a week, I would do one like that, and the other one I would get some speed work in. I wouldn't do two mm. just long and yeah. slow. One long and slow, and one kind of a, a more a sprinty speed sort of a day. That would be generally my my recommendation there. Cool. And that still pl- leaves plenty of time for other training and Absolutely. plenty of time for practicing other stuff that's going to support your yep. general capacity. So that's, that's the important thing. And the only thing I would say is a maybe... Bias isn't the right word, but some movements that while they transfer all over the place, there's a couple that I do think are really well fitted to the military mm-hmm. athlete, and especially what the military has been doing recently with terrain and, and, and mountainous regions and things like that. And it's funny because every now and then when Dan Bailey and I would go on a, uh, a hike through the you know, serious mountains, I like to think that we're both relatively fit. At the end of it, where I was like, man, if we did just this sort of hike, which to a degree, that's what military personnel are doing, rucksack on your back, going up and down mountains. We're like weighted box step-ups and weighted lunges. You know, even, I almost want to say even more so than traditional squatting, weighted box step-ups and weighted lunges for a decent time domain or distance. I mean, Mm. that sort of muscular endurance stand, like that mid-range that can go and go and go, that is your friend. That is your friend for sure. That sort of leg stamina. That would be my my two cents on that. Hmm. Yeah, cool. So that's yeah, that's that's about all I got there. 
Yeah, me too. I, uh, yep, I think that's, um, that's fun to think about. And, and again, to kind of pull it back out to the broad application, if you're not in the military, you don't have a, a job that demands a real specific physical fitness, um, you know, the, the big rules still apply here. The broad capacity that you do develop is going to serve you well, mm-hmm. regardless of if you can see a circumstance coming or not. So don't lose sight of that, no matter which side of the fence you find yourself on. And there's one, I'm not, I'm not going to take us down a rabbit hole, but there's one <laughs> more thing that I wrote down, luckily, because I never would have remembered it. Yeah. And I think it can be seductive to think that if you have a certain kit that you operate in, that you should work out in that kit all the time. Mm. And I, I don't yeah. think that's the best course of action. I, so whether it's, you know, uh, body armor, weight vest, uh, you know, if you're a firefighter, you're breathing apparatus, like whatever it is, don't think, well, I have to function in this, so I should work out in it all the time. This is the most sophisticated way that I can say it. But if you wear it, working out in your kit all the time, all that's doing is giving you a reason to slow down and kill your intensity to some degree. Yep, exactly. Keep it off most of the time. Every now and then, throw it on because absolutely yep. you want to know how it feels, how it operates. This is constricted. I don't feel like I can't breathe like I used to during a, a run, a climb, or whatever. You need to know that before your life's in danger. So you want to experiment with that when you're controlling the environment. Get as fit as you can without the gear. Sprinkle the gear in every now and then for workouts, but don't make it an all-the-time sort of a thing. That's my final thing on that. Yep, exactly. All right, well, to all the military, law enforcement, uh, first responder, everybody out there watching, listening, asking questions, Thanks to everyone out there for, for your service. We genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. Keep the questions coming. We absolutely love them. They're super fun. And as always, we're going to read the comments. So whether you're listening in an audio format or watching it on video, go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode. If you are present or former military, you know you, hear, you heard what Boz and I think, what the members of the community think. Do you have a, an agreeing opinion, a differing opinion? We want to hear all of it. So post all of them down there. The more different schools of thought, the better. We all learn together. And if you have an idea for an upcoming show, let us know. We read the comments. So for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.